What's up, my fellow lionesses and lions? Welcome to the Project Lioness podcast. We are here to disrupt the mainstream narrative when it comes to health, holism, and human consciousness. We are here to share bold truths about health and life from a female perspective. This episode is brought to you by our team, Inspire Co., where we stand for your health being inspired by choice rather than being inhibited by chance. Thank you for being here and joining in on these raw, real, and powerful conversations. We hope our show brings you inspiration and empowerment to overcome challenges, reclaim your life, and ultimately pursue your mission with power, purpose, and play. Now, let's get into the episode. Welcome, everyone. This is Dr. Mel with the Project Lioness podcast. It is 2024, and I am super pumped to have our guest Lioness on with us, and I'll I'll let her share about her journey. But as I promised you all, this season is all about community. This season is all about connection to the human experience, to the lived experience, and the ability to connect with our own story within us as well as others around us where we don't necessarily have the opportunity to walk in their shoes, but we can approximate it as much as possible. And uh, I'll put her bio in the show notes. It's a pretty impressive bio, but beyond her roles that she plays, uh, this person has been such an inspiration to my life. And I'm very grateful that she is here with us today. And uh I'll let her share her journey, but Linz, welcome to the Project Linus podcast. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be a guest on here. Yes. We are chilling in the office right now. There are lots of plants. Uh, there's a massive succulent between us. Yeah. It's very phallically It feels like there's something between us, <laughs> There's something prickly between us, Linz. Um, so, you know, obviously, I think you and I could probably make a four-hour podcast, a 24-hour podcast. Uh, but what, you know, from a human lived experience, like what inspires you to live every day? And then we'll get into like who you be, what you do, and your journey of healing. Yeah. So what's interesting is what inspires me to live every day has shifted pretty substantially <laughs> in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about today, right now, in this moment, the things that inspire me to live are connection mm-hmm. with other people, which is why I was so excited for this, yeah. to be able to connect with you and actually get a chance to, I mean, real-time process yeah. the last year and a half <laughs> of, <laughs> that's of our uh, connection. So. Yeah. Here we go. Fuck. Uh, This may be a therapy session, (laughs) so welcome, y'all. 100%. (laughs) Um, So connection is big in terms of inspiration. And a lot of the things that I try very hard to be intentional about have in some way um, to do with connection. Mm. Um, My family, my kids and my husband inspire the fuck out of me every (laughs) single day. Like, Watching these little humans that are equal parts me and Ryan and their own selves, Mm -hmm. just watching them grow and blossom and learn about the world and like teach, they teach me like as much as I teach them, which is wild. It's actually a very unexpected part of parenthood Mm -hmm. is understanding that my kids are my teachers. Hell yeah. 
Um, so that's an inspiration on a daily basis. You're bringing mm. the wisdom in like what, two minutes yeah. of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they've, 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 they've allowed me to be steeped in, in their own wisdom. Yeah. So it's easy, easy yeah. to um, pay tribute to that. Mm. Um, I also get really inspired by uh, the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not my work, but I also am very inspired by the work that I get to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been in the healthcare field for 12 years now. Wow. And so it's been an interesting path through all the various careers. But where I sit now, I get to talk with large groups of people. I love public speaking. You're great at it. Thank you. Appreciate (laughs) that. Uh, I get to work with these giant healthcare companies, these startup healthcare companies and help them really like figure out the best ways to reach their intended audiences Mm. and their intended and their intended audiences are people who are saving people's lives Mm -hmm. every day. And so when I play a, a small role, whatever it is in connecting innovation with the people who are using that innovation to save people. It's just like you're a bridge shit, man. <laughs> it's just cool. That's a big deal. It's really cool. <laughs> it's really cool. And I'm inspired by other people's gifts so much lately. Mm. Like yours, for example, like you've played a massive role mm. in my healing over the last year and a half from not only like f- a physical standpoint, but mentally and emotionally and just like spiritually for sure. Mm. Um, and so like just taking in and being in awe of the gifts of the people around me has been just like wild. It's hard to put to words. It's right? hard to put into words. And yeah. also I feel like I've like missed it for the last 37 years. Like right? just in the last year and a half, all of a sudden I'm like tuned in to the the beautiful gifts and skill sets of the people around me. I'm like, where the hell have I been? <laughs> It's which you know? is it's so interesting you say that. Just a, permission for tangents, by the way. Right. Um, thank you for sharing that, by the way. Thank you for being here in all of your gifts and you're such a a mirror and a reflection. Like you say there's so many gifts of people around you, but it's really just a mirror back to you. And, you know, I say that for myself too. But isn't it wild when you have this moment of like your consciousness evolves, you know, awakens. I'm not, I'm not saying this from a spiritual bypassing. People say like, I woke up. (laughs) Um, however, there is a level of like, holy shit, I'm an active participant in my life. Right. (laughs) What was that? Like, what was that? What was I doing before? (laughs) So I'm just, I'm (laughs) reflecting on that for myself. Um, when, when that started to happen for me and it is always fun to hear people's lived experience in that of like coming more into yourself you know, so with what you're sharing, how does that translate into then the, the, maybe the doing or the being or the roles that you play in your life? And obviously people can hear that you're, you're a mom, Mm -hmm. right? You're, uh, you're a leader in your company, Mm -hmm. you're a speaker. Um, but how else does that translate in what it is you're doing and how you're serving people? Yeah. So alongside those things, being a mom is probably my, my favorite role. Um, which I could go on, like that could be its own podcast. Yeah. We'll do part two. Yeah. (laughs) Um, being a partner, especially in the last, so my partner and I, Ryan have been together for a lot of years. (laughs) Um, Ryan's great. We love Ryan. Yeah. If he listens to this, (laughs) do you think he'll listen? He'll listen. Okay. He sent me the most beautiful texts, like 
talking about how excited he is oh. to listen and yeah shout out ryan I know, I know. <laughs> he's so great um but i feel like he, there's something special about finding the person in the world who you just get to learn from all the time and you get to explore new things with with an open mind um without judgment and just like someone who accepts you wholly mm. and s- not only accepts Oof. you, but like pushes in a way that allows you to explore more levels of your own self. Mm. And I feel like he does that for me. <clears throat> so being a partner is a very important role to me. Yeah. Um, Can I just pause? Like that was yeah. so profoundly said, like, I don't even realize if realize I don't even know if you realize what you said because I know you've done, you guys have done so much work together and it, it, maybe it feels like so commonplace for you, but simultaneously on the other side, what I've seen in, in people is like that longing for what you just said of like someone who can love you wholly and like support the fuck out of you, but also like challenge the fuck out of you. Right. And like the the dichotomy and like the, duality that creates the whole is like oh there's just so much richness when you can find not just in a partner but like a friend or a colleague yeah. and anyway I just that's why I wanted you on this podcast there's just the wisdom that you speak of your being is just like man I'm like over here like all right this is like poetry slam <laughs> maybe it's because I'm fasting today and I just feel so connected <laughs> that could be it you guys so bear with me but um anyway that's I just wanted to pause and like put a pin on that I appreciate that and permission that. for y'all to do not settle uh because yeah. you're worth it and you I don't want to I don't like saying like you deserve it but it's it's like you are worth that because mm-hmm. you're your life is fucking short, man. It is. You, yep. And we're going to get into that we're in this episode, y'all. That. So <laughs> you better like sit your ass down and be ready uh, because we're going to get into life and death and the whole experience of that. So anyway, continue. Yeah. Uh, as a healthcare leader, it's been a really sort of a humbling and <clears throat> inspiring experience to be in a position where... I work for a company that's really well known mm. in the sterile processing space in particular in healthcare. And people call us like <laughs> the cool kids, <laughs> celebrities or something, which is, which is funny to me because we're just like normal people trying to do really cool things on behalf of the heroes in healthcare. Mm. Like the people who are calling us the, the people that everyone know, like we're trying to be the mirror back to them and be like, no, no, no. Like you guys are the important people. We just get to help build the culture of that. Mm. Um, but we are a company that does fun things. We're called um, Healthcare HQ and we've got some uh, some subsidiary brands, um, Beyond Clean, Power Supply, First Case Media, and Transmission Control mm. that all four of those have podcasts for you know, specific spaces in healthcare, but we release things like music albums about healthcare spaces, artwork series. We just came out with a coffee called Perk and Pack because Prep and Pack is the area of the hospital where instruments are put Uh together and getting ready for sterilization. So we just came out with our own um, private label coffee. It's very innovative. It's just something fun because, you know, culture building in some industries is really hard. And especially when it's an industry that's like, 
lacking in recognition, lacking in pay, lacking in resources, lacking in education in some cases. Like, what else can we do but get innovative on Mm. ways to make people feel part of it Mm -hmm. and inspired by it and connected to it? So, you're bringing like the, um, I don't, it's not messy, but in a sterile environment, no pun intended. You're bringing like the flavor and yeah. and like the the creative energy that can be a culture in the workplace. Right. That's really cool. Yeah, it's really fun. It's really fun. Yeah, I don't think I've ever <clears throat> enjoyed like thoroughly, like top to bottom, enjoyed um, a a professional role like I'm enjoying where I'm at right now, which is a really cool space yeah. to be in. Um, I also am a birth doula. Mm-hmm. Um, so I call it my passion project. Some people call it a side hustle, <laughs> but same, same. you know, same, same. Um, and I support families welcoming their babies into the world and support the lead up to that really intense situation of giving birth. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't want to call it the aftermath, but the aftermath, the postpartum yeah. period that gets so little attention, but is honestly more deserving of attention and resources yeah. than labor and birth itself. Have you read the fourth trimester? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. love that. It's vital to have yep. someone like Lynn's who understands that where it's not just like, peace out, the baby's out. Right. Like there's a secondary birth that happens. And it's like often the the mother who's given birth is like, holy shit, my life is different. Right. And there's like a life and death process that happens within that. And Absolutely. having someone like you is so vital to have a grasp on this new reality in some capacity, right? Well, it just changes you in such profound ways. And sometimes the families I support are ready for that change and other times they're just not. And so that processing period is substantially longer than they anticipated. Totally. Um, Also, the hormone shift at like day three, four or five that happens after you have a baby is like the most massive hormone shift you have as a female, yes, as a, as in a life, a baby carrying human. Yes. Um, and so just like being able to navigate that and prepare yourself for that and prepare yeah. your partner for that yeah. is, is a big part of what I do too. So mm. I support between one and three clients a month, <laughs> depending on how many second and third time families ask me to support them, which for the record, there's nothing more, um, there's, there's no bigger compliment to a doula than being asked back yeah, I bet. a second or a third time into that super vulnerable, intense space. Yep. So shout out to all my, my doula clients. Aww. And just for the record, you are not accepting new clients. Not new clients right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we will not drop that link in the show notes, y'all. <laughs> but I do have some incredible <laughs> referral partners. You do. You do. So if anyone is looking for a doula, I can certainly refer you to the doulas that that are in my network who are incredible, including my own. Yeah. We would appreciate that. So, Cause I know we yeah. have a lot of people who listen to this, who are, you know, having kids, having second kids, growing their family. And I cannot tell you guys how, you know, I'm, I have not given birth myself, but we refer to a lot of midwives, a lot of doulas and people don't realize the, the power of having that advocate alongside you throughout the whole journey um, and I know you are very well connected. So we'll make sure that in the show notes, you guys will give everything that we talk about today, everything about Lynn's, not, maybe not everything. Yeah. Uh, we could write a couple books with that, <laughs> but we'll give you what you need if you're seeking someone. Um, cause again, you know, I, I bring people on who are very in alignment with our values and really just supporting humanity and, 
you know, people in the world doing good work. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And one of the things too is not, not everyone knows what a doula is. Yeah. Um, it's someone who Enlighten provides us. emotional and physical support throughout pregnancy, labor, birth, and postpartum. Um, so if you think about it, especially in a healthcare setting or hospital setting, the staff rotates mm-hmm. depending on when their shift ends and when it starts. And so having a familiar, comfortable, steady energy and presence and support person to support not only the birthing person, but their partner um, can be really, really helpful in just maintaining uh, the emotional presence and the mental presence that is required to have an enjoyable birth process, regardless of the twists and turns. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I think people think, oh, well, you know, if you're not the person who's carrying the baby and, but you're the partner, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's hard to play multiple roles. And it's like, no, you, with a doula, you get to sink into that partner role, at least what I've heard from clients. And this is what I tell my clients too. I'm like, look, I am not expecting your partner to be the coach. I'm not expecting your partner to be the doctor. (laughs) Like let them sink into being your partner Mm -hmm. and your advocate in different forms. So having a doula or a guide I think can, like you said, help that ecosystem thrive even more. Yeah. And I do get the feedback um, on some of the interviews that I've had with clients. Like, oh, my partner is not sure if we need a doula because they want to be very active and very present. And I make the case that that's an easier thing to accomplish with doula support. Yes, I would agree. Um, because it takes the pressure off of them yep. from knowing what to do next, what position is going to be best for a specific sensation that's physically yep. happening. So, um, that's yeah. A good point. Shout out to all the doulas out there. Woo. We like the doulas. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so, <clears throat> any other any other roles you'd any like to... Roles? Um, or as Donnie Epstein says, you're a soul first and then a role. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> we wear many that. hats, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, n- I don't think think so. I think I'm. Do you want to go back to your employment as a teenager? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I mean, <laughs> what? Coffee rolls? shop. Coffee <laughs> shop. Your coffee shop. I love yep, it. I yep, love it. Yep. Uh, just kidding. We don't uh, need it. We're going to go all the way back to your past lives, Lynn. Like, what were you in a past I life? It. I love it. I guess this is kind of a a hippy dippy woo woo thing for me to say. It's a little Great. In- uncharacteristic. <laughs> I know you'll like it. <laughs> Um, but I feel like a role that I'm actively playing is just like student of life and death. Fuck yeah. Like Mm -hmm. in its purest form, I am learning so much about what it is to actually wholly live and also die. Mm. And I know we'll get into that a little bit, but I have to, I just felt called to call out that role. <laughs> oh, and I think that's a perfect segue into really why I invited Linz to come on. <clears throat> and I think to speak to some of what you're saying, it can be easy to compartmentalize our life of like, I'm a doula and I'm, you know, a high level leader in a company. And at the end of the day, you're a human being. Mm-hmm. And no matter what environment you're in, no matter who you're with, you have the potential and the possibility and the opportunity to hold that consciousness of, okay, what's in between these roles? What's in between like 
when we're born and when we die and you can embody any of those roles at any moment. Right. Right. Like we can, yes, there are train, there are things that require training you guys, but Mm -hmm. at at the end of the day, you can take on these identities or archetypes no matter what quote unquote role you're playing or what three dimensional environment you're in. And I think that's really valuable because that's where I think you can get the synchronicity of all these parts of your life Mm -hmm. Where beyond just talking about work or just talking about your family, like you're a human being who's living an experience. So when it comes, yeah, go ahead. You know what <laughs> just came to my brain? Great. Yes, I would love to hear. The f- oh man, this is so funny. So I know we'll get into this a little bit too, but one of the active roles that I play is cancer patient. Mm-hmm. And that did not even come into my brain. That is fascinating. Until That's right why now. I asked you. That is so funny to me because every day it's part of my life. Like every single day I wake up and I have to do something related to this diagnosis that I was given a year, almost two years ago. And not until right now did that role (laughs) come into my head. It was last. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Oh man. Well, you know as much as I do that the work that I've been putting into feeling or embodying all of the different, I guess all the different roles that I play, but all of the different um, ways that I can view diagnoses or health-related things. And what that signaled to me in this moment, real time, is that I have digested and metabolized that diagnosis to not define me, mm-hmm. but just be a role that I know I play depending on context. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. A part, yeah. Dang. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and no, we're just kidding. And we, we won't end the podcast now. Uh, well, and I think the different perspectives that you can gift us and our listeners and our audience with think let's start with the beginning of that that part that came through and you guys may be like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) like she just said cancer she said cancer patient now you're talking about how that's not an identity and we're going to get into your own personal journey and where this shift started to happen where there was less like this is who I am rather than like this is a part of my life but it doesn't have to define who I Mm -hmm. am so let's start from when that started to emerge in your life, if that feels like right timing to you. Yeah, that feels good. That feels good. I mean, you hear the word cancer and I mean, everyone that has ever heard that word that I've seen their reaction to has like bristled against it. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things that it's like instant dread, instant sadness. Um, And I, I was very actively living into that when I first got, my, the diagnosis of ocular melanoma, it's eye cancer. Um, it's a very rare form of cancer. It happens in four or five out of a million people. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt my eye really heavy. I felt, du- I experienced double vision. Mm-hmm. I just thought I needed a new prescription. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though I had been experiencing these things for like more than six months, finally I got to the point where it was annoying enough to yeah. be like, okay, I got to get this checked out. Yeah. And so my eye doctor did an exam, saw what he thought was a retinal detachment, sent me to a specialist 
who was like, no, it's not a retinal detachment. It's a giant tumor. Mm. We need to take your entire eye out of your head mm-hmm. in the next two weeks. And when was this? This was May 18th of 2022. Okay. And then my enucleation surgery was June 1st. So exactly two weeks okay. after. Yeah. 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 And so there wasn't a lot of processing time between no. May 18th and June 1st. Yeah. Um, but what I was able to do is, so I have this, um, this professional development, personal development YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, it's called 60 Second Growth Spurt. It's a playlist actually on the Beyond Clean channel where I, you know, use the skills and the, the knowledge that I've gained from a professional development standpoint. And I do these little mini videos. And I'm so it's like, those out. they're pretty fun. <laughs> they're pretty fun. I have like 60 of them on yeah, there. I'm gonna look at it. Um, but I, I felt compelled to make a 60 second growth spurt video and it's largely geared toward the healthcare industry, sterile processing in particular, but I felt compelled in that two week period mm-hmm. to give a real, real time. Thank you from the patient's perspective, because I've never been a surgical patient before, but I've been that one that you did, but I've been advocating for safe surgery for 11, 12 years. Interesting. And so it was interesting putting that out into the world because I couldn't hold back my own tears. Like it was just like, I was preparing to be a surgical patient and not just like a, and I hate to say this, but not just like a regular surgery. There is no like standard surgery or easy surgery when it's yourself or your loved one totally under the knife. Like that's just not a term that is realistic. Um, and it doesn't honor the experience or the skill set put into preparing the instruments. I could go on about that. I mean, it's literally like, uh, I mean, I see it as like art. Um, I know that there's a a fuck ton more than that (laughs) in training and and sterilization, but at the same time, there's so much that goes into just, like you said, one, one scalpel, you know, how to, how, like, there's a whole community of people right behind that yeah. to successfully do it in a way that mitigates mm-hmm. risk. Mm-hmm. Cause that's a big thing you see sometimes in, in healthcare is like, oh shit, this, this went wrong in a surgery, yeah. you know, like it, it is a risk. It I is. always think back to, this is a tangent, but like when did human beings start thinking about like, what if we just cut you open <laughs> and like, like experiment? Can you yeah. imagine yeah. what that was like? Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a little grotesque, but sometimes <laughs> that's where my brain goes. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I digress. Well, when I was preparing to go to my own surgery, mm-hmm. I used to be a sterile processing technician. Yeah. So, you know, and so I remember the gnarled little eye retractors that hold eyelids open that Oof. can bend like a paperclip. Yeah. And I think back and I'm just like, well, shit, did I do everything that I could to prepare those eye instruments for someone else? Yep. And is the person preparing my instruments going to do everything that they can, yep. et cetera? So it was just one of those moments where I was like, this is a full circle moment yeah. where wow. all of a sudden I'm not advocating for safe surgery from the sterile processing side. I'm advocating for safe surgery from the person's side who's about to go under the knife. Wow. And that was just such a powerful transformative moment for me to Mm -hmm. be like all of this work that I've put into the industry, like Mm -hmm. 
now I'm going to reap the benefits. Hopefully. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, fingers crossed. Yeah. It's like the, but it's pretty wild. The giving and thank you for sharing like the, the depth. And I know there's probably even more depth that you could go into as far as like the whole experience and hearing the news and like, you know, thinking about not having a part of your body especially your eye especially on your face yeah it's, yeah it's something really interesting to to consider like if it were my if another guys, limb I was gonna say if you guys are watching by the way and you can go into this oh, like yeah. your prosthetic yeah which is beautiful thank you I mean yeah so if anyone can I don't know if you can see up this far away but this little bugger is a uh, not real not real but <laughs> not it's real. wild how real it can look well yeah and it can move yeah yeah so there's an implant underneath the mucous membrane in my eye. Mm-hmm. And then this prosthetic is just like shaped like a contact lens yeah. that couples to the implant. So my yeah. muscles are sewn into the implant. Uh-huh. So when I move my eyes, the muscles move the implant and the implant moves the prosthetic. But you can take the prosthetic out. Oh yeah, I right? can pop the sucker I've seen out whenever you I want. At the sauna, <laughs> yes. take it out. So I learned yeah. the hard way in yeah, the sauna. I remember you saying that. <laughs> that prosthetic eyes get really hot. <laughs> And so when my eyelid was searing in the oh. sauna, I had to pop it out really quick. Fuck. Yeah, it sucked. Did they tell oh. you? Did, were they like, hey, don't go in no. 200 degrees? No, with this? that was something that I learned all on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for those of you, yeah. if you have to deal with something like that, now you've got some wisdom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, going back to something you mentioned, like the the thoughts and the feelings going through my head, the night, the night that I was diagnosed, mm-hmm. like obviously the first place you go <laughs> you get any sort of medical diagnosis is Google. Yeah. Right. Like Google's who doesn't fun times <laughs> go down those rabbit holes. Um, so as I was putting Vivian to bed that night, Vivian's my daughter, she's six now. She was four and a half then. Mm. Um, as I was putting her to bed, cause I snuggle her in her bed mm. till she falls asleep every night, have since she was a baby will until the day I die. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just like, I was, this is a tangent. I was talking to Ryan about how I miss breastfeeding. Like I miss nursing my babies. Mm -hmm. And the closest thing I have to that is like snuggling them to bed every night. So it's just such a cherished time. Yeah. But it's hard to enjoy that time when you're Googling at the same time that you're going to die soon. (laughs) Like I was Googling what ocular melanoma was and seeing things like, Oh, if it spreads to your liver, you have a 16% survival rate in a five-year time span. Like, just like horrifying statistics. Mm. And in those moments, like when you're Googling, you're seeing all these things and you're allowing Google to paint your reality for you instead of understanding that you're not a statistic. Like, I'm not a statistic. I don't need to live into what those statistics say necessarily. And I'm trying very actively to not do that. You're not trying. I think you are. But Thank you. that's my perception. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but in that moment, it's hard not to just be like, oh, yeah. well, this is it for me. Yeah, that's the human, that's the human reality. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you... Are you like scrolling on your phone as you're like snuggling? As I'm bawling my ass off. Yes, I am sobbing, trying not to like wake my daughter up with my shaking. Yes, 100%. That was the night that I got diagnosed. I think there's evidence too of the work that you've done to talk about the details of this without um, like, and I'm not going to speak to what's happening in your body right now, but to be super real with, with your experience because of the level of wholeness within who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, I think 
um, some people when it comes to, you know, medical stuff, health stuff, you know, cancer, sex, trauma, Mm -hmm. it can be so easy to just kind of surface level it. Yeah. And that's not what this podcast is about. Like it literally says like bold, raw, real truce down to like the details of what it's like to hear news and then to have your brain do this thing where it's like, what do I want to choose with this? Mm -hmm. Right. Versus, well, this is what Google says. So this is my fucking reality. And the truth is a lot of people live into that. Right. I have seen people live into that and that's not right, wrong, good, bad. And we're not here to tell you how you need to process your own health things. But I think it is honestly a breath of fresh air of like, what if your experience with it, regardless of the outcome could be different. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So I appreciate you speaking to the details and being whole enough to like have your emotions with it, but also like laugh about it. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, we're kind of laughing about certain things. People might be like, Oh, that's, you shouldn't laugh about that. Or you've got to whisper about these things. It's like, this is fucking life y'all. Right. This is fucking life. The amount of death jokes I make recent as of recent. I love it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, not everyone loves it though. Yeah, like, I'm into it, but I'm also it's a, a twisted fuck. <laughs> right. So anyway, keep going. It. I love it. No, it's just, it's interesting. Like <clears throat> it's interesting navigating like the processing that I've done as an individual and as a family. Mm-hmm. And the difference between where I'm at from a process perspective and everyone around me. Yeah. And a lot of times there's just such a dissonance between those phases. And so it can get uncomfortable at times. Like Ryan and I legit had a conversation the other night about when I, if, when I, so I'm putting it out there that I will die peacefully in my sleep someday. Yeah. Whenever that is. It will likely be in my own bed. And when that happens, if he wakes up and finds my body there, what do he and the kids do? Yeah. I don't want it to be a freak out situation where you call the cops and you call the ambulance because I'm already dead, man. Like, take some time. Like, have the kids give me kisses on the cheek and like say they're... They're like sweet goodbyes and be like, mom gets to be the wind now. Let's go feel her outside, you know? And those are the types of conversations that are just like casual conversation because that's the shit that's real for us right now. Yeah. And for you, and I I think, and I so appreciate you speaking to the, the very, the very moments that these things happen versus like, oh, we'll deal with it when, when we get there versus like, no, this is the reality y'all like so far humans die. I haven't seen anyone who has transcended that. Mm -hmm. Like maybe, maybe Jesus figured it out. Maybe Buddha figured it out. I don't really know, but so far your body does this thing called death Mm -hmm. and to talk about, and and I think people are like, Oh, but you're, you're so young to talk about that. Like you should wait till you're like in your sixties. It's like, yo, we, we will transition when we transition. Right. And like, what if we could not have death be so taboo? And not have it be so scary. Yeah. So there are so many cultures in our world that celebrate death and that have such mm-hmm. beautiful rituals around mm-hmm. it. Like, I think it's Qingming in China where they do mm-hmm. like um, burial site sweeping and just like sort of replenish yep. the area that their loved ones are buried in. And like... I know in, in um, the Dagara some of the work that I've learned from my mentors 
uh, they have a three-day like celebration and even like Dia de los Muertes, right? right? In the yeah. Latin culture, like yeah. it's not like they wear fancy, yeah. decorative, like yep. eat just tack maybe not tacos, but they just <laughs> it's a celebration and 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 kids see oh this is how we can be with death. It doesn't have to be this like, don't talk about it. We're all black. Like it's awkward and let's talk about it now and celebrate our life now versus waiting until a funeral where then we talk about the memories. Well, and that's the thing about death that I think is so messed up in our, in at least the culture that I associate with is like death is this thing that you, you pretend is never going to happen. When it's close to happening, you try to fight it with everything you have, like just every possible medical option to fight it. Yeah. And then when you it happens, then you're surprised and sad and you stuff those feelings down and it wrecks you. And I see people in my office who have grieved for 20 years and that causes its own health problems. Right. And it's it's not to say that you can't grieve. I think the experience of grief is important, but if you feel grief for 20 years Mm. and guilt because you didn't have these conversations, like people feel a guilt of like, I wish I would have talked about this. I wish I would have done this. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, which underneath the surface that's guilt and guilt will wreak mega havoc on your immune system, on your lymphatic system, on your metabolism versus like love this person now in the end in the next form that they transition to. Mm -hmm. Right. But you're right. I I just, I'm so glad we're talking about this and hopefully it's allowing the audience to have to shift your consciousness and open up your perspective of like, Hey, death doesn't have to be scary. It's going to happen. And you can create your own kind of mini deaths while you're living, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah. So it's been a, um, an interesting road over the past almost two years of really, exploring what death means, Mm -hmm. what it could look like, Mm -hmm. what it will look like, and how the people around me can facilitate the transition and celebrate even in death. Yeah. Mm. So it's been pretty cool. In that journey, in your exploration, what specifically has allowed you to be open to changing the narrative for yourself? Yeah, a couple of things. The first thing is just coming to terms with the idea that the exit door is a little bit more clear for me than for people around me. Yeah. Not to say that I'm going to die tomorrow. Not to say that I'm going to die in 20, 30 years. Like, Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll be 90 and be like, remember Dr. Mel <laughs> when we did that podcast? <laughs> By then we'd we'll love to do a reunion tour. <laughs> yeah, reunion. With our dentures this is, uh, and our grades. This is, speak for yourself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is the vanity, the vanity yeah. part of me. Like, I'm not going to fucking have dentures. Watch and I get fucking dentures. Um, yeah, I just went way into the future. <laughs> I already have, I yeah, I already <laughs> need back. to like stay in this reality. So don't do that to me, Lynn's. Okay. So number one is you, you started just looking at death and asking the question of like, yeah, this is going to happen. And I'm not saying it's going to happen in five Mm. years because Google told me that or a doctor told me that. Mm. So that's number one. What else has supported you in this process? Yeah. So there's, there's been, so, I mean, Ryan supported me in this whole process. Like he helps me process the idea of death often. And there was one day that 
he looked at me and he said, I want you to know I'll be fine mm. when you die. And I needed to hear that so, like in my soul, in my bones, yeah. I needed to hear that because that was what I realized in that moment, one of my biggest fears Yeah, was that he would not be fine and therefore our kids would not be fine and it would all go to shit. Wow. Like it would just all crumble. And to hear him say that, and I feel like, there may be people listening who would be like, wow, that's insensitive. <laughs> but honestly, like it was such a healing moment for me to yeah. hear him say that when I die, he will be fine. Well, and how much of the resistance in life is because that's the feedback we're actually seeking right. is that the legacy we're leaving behind, whether it's with your family, your business, your company, your mission, like knowing like it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Like how much of that creates the resistance, which it's its own form of dis-ease. Right. That actually creates things mm -hmm. that limit our potential while we're on this planet. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There was another um, healing modality mm -hmm. uh, that I partook in and that was a psilocybin journey mm -hmm. a guided psilocybin journey if you guys don't know what that is that is magic <clears throat> mushrooms magic which they are you know <laughs> uh it's there's such a renaissance happening um so do some research on on that for yourself but we're going to talk about that yeah so I had watched a lot of documentaries well not a lot but I've, wa I've watched a couple documentaries and read a couple of books about psilocybin being a way to come to terms with your own death. Mm -hmm. And I have had watched these cancer patients, these people who are living with cancer. Nice reframe. Thank you. It's like, <laughs> I saw you coach yourself. define them. Thank yeah, you. I saw you coach yourself <laughs> there. You. Um, I, I listened to their account of like the psilocybin journey, helping them either experience their own death or in some way, come to peace with the idea of death. And I was like, wow, that would be a really interesting thing to participate in. Mm. And so I did some research and I did it and get this. Okay. So I mentioned I was a birth doula. Mm -hmm. I had let my clients know that we're due in that time frame that oh. I was going to be out of commission. <laughs> On that day. I remember you sharing this. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, a client that wasn't due for weeks <laughs> texted me right before I was about to drink my mushroom tea <laughs> and said my water broke. Here we go. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? You're like, right. How is this? <laughs> how is this happening right now? So I had to be like, listen, <laughs> here's where I'm at. Here's the number of my backup. Thank you to my backup doulas. You're just beautiful humans. Um, but what happened was during my journey, there was such an emphasis placed on birth. Like I legitimately birthed myself. Mm -hmm. I felt my body contracting. I felt myself being pushed through a thin veil. I felt like the cellular level of like rebirth during my journey. And then I experienced 
God or spirit or universe or whatever you want to call it, but it was this source of light and love and beauty and non-judgment. And the most profound thing about that interaction was that there wasn't a hierarchy. It was Mm -hmm. like a, you are of me, I am of you. Like when you transition to the next realm, this is what you get to be a part of. You get to fuel the light that other people can draw from when they need it. And what I realized is that I went into that experience anticipating dying. Like I fully anticipated experiencing death like the people that I had seen on the documentaries. Mm -hmm. And instead, I experienced birth. (laughs) And I realized there's no difference Mm -hmm. between those two things. It is transitioning from one realm to the next. Birth and death are exactly the same thing and they are both so beautiful and it completely changed my purpose in death and defined my purpose in death. And the wild thing was, that's just like Cliff Notes version. Like, I'll write a book someday about the full version because holy shit. But every time the scene changed... During my journey, I felt a cool breeze on my face. And I've been telling my kids that when I die, I want to be the wind so that they can just walk outside and they can feel mama and know that I'm there and I'm, they know that I'm like with them. And like feeling the cool breeze on my face every time the scene changed, I came out of it thinking, oh man, that's not something I made up. Like I actually get to do that. <laughs> like I get to be that mm-hmm. if I want. Yeah. And my son was so sweet. He goes to a Lutheran preschool and he, he goes, mom, are you going to go to heaven when you die? And I was like, buddy, there are some people that I really want to see there, but I'm going to stick with the wind. Like, <laughs> I'll go check. I'll go say, hey, make sure they're doing okay. See how the pearly gates are, you know, the whole touristy thing. But yeah. I'm going to be the wind. <laughs> the whole touristy thing. Oh, yeah. I'm going to just like, you know, be accessible and not be somewhere that seems far away. Because I remember as a kid growing up Lutheran, like the idea of heaven seemed so far. Agreed. Like just inaccessible until death. Yeah. Just so far. And I don't want to be far from my kids when I die. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be. And I don't want them to think I am. And as soon as they breathe, you're there. Yeah, exactly. Mm. If you guys are watching the, the video, I'm like getting chills over here and like, you know, crying here and there um yeah it's uh when I think of the wind and I think of you leaving your legacy like the the permanence of the wind and oxygen and how the air that we breathe the wind right has been here forever Mm -hmm. on planet earth and the same air that the dinosaurs, if they were real, I think they were real, you know, so the fossils say. Maybe they didn't look like they do. I feel like they had cool colors anyway. <laughs> but the same air that those creatures breathed millions of years ago is the same oxygen that we're breathing now. And isn't that really like what you're speaking to is just if life and death and birth and death are one, then do we really ever go away? Mm. Yeah. You know, and there's like such power and depth in what you're speaking to. Um, and it's ineffable. Like, I, I really don't feel like I have words it, when, when people have shared with me their, their journeys, their psilocybin journeys, their consciousness journeys. Um, 
how have you seen other than obviously like shifting your whole fucking reality of life and death, you know, just, just a small no deal. How have you seen that show up in, in more of like a day-to-day perspective going back to maybe the roles that we talked about? How does that show up since your journey? Yeah. I, what's interesting is now that I have this sort of and I don't want to say that I'm looking forward to death because obviously I'm not, I never want to leave my family. I never like. And it sounds like you never will. And I never, that's the thing. Like that's the shift. Mm-hmm. The shift is that like the meaningful connections and the meaningful work that I get to participate in here, mm-hmm. it's not going to just disappear when I die. Right. And so I think, and we can get into this next if you want is like I've used the lessons that I learned in that journey and honestly in my healing journey up until this point since I was diagnosed I've used that as like a checkpoint yeah a checkpoint when I feel overwhelmed when I feel frustrated when I feel like my workload is really high when I feel really anything that's not what I would categorize as positive I use that as my checkpoint to say, okay, number one, in the grand scheme, where does this matter? <laughs> mm, great question. And if it is not high on the list, why am I doing it? Right. Okay. If it's not in alignment if, with your values. Exactly. Or yes. what you deem to be of part of your legacy, mm-hmm. why the fuck are we freaking out? Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. And number two, how am I facilitating my relationship with my kids and my husband after I die so that it's a seamless transition. Like that's just something that's so important to me. And part of that is having this conversation with family members Mm -hmm. and saying, listen, this is my experience. This is how I want my kids to, to know me and feel me and like Mm -hmm. interact with me when I'm physically gone. Yeah. And so that's been a really interesting, um, interesting opportunity to explore this sort of shift in how people view death and life. Thank you for joining the Project Linus podcast. Did you find value in today's episode? Help us impact the lives of others by sharing this podcast with someone you know who would resonate and benefit from the Project Linus message. Excited to hear more? We invite you to subscribe on whatever platform you're tuning in on. And we'd be so grateful for you to leave us a review about what you enjoy most, as well as what you'd like to hear more of. Thank you so much for all of your support. Sincerely yours in power, purpose, and play. Dr. Mel with the Project Lioness podcast. Keep rising, keep roaring, and keep inspiring.